Welcome to Spiritual and Empowerment Living with international speaker, spiritual mentor, and best-selling author, Tia Johnson, as she discusses spiritual and women's empowerment topics to assist you in igniting your spirituality and empowering your quality of life. Let's welcome your host, Tia Johnson. Hello, spiritual trailblazers. You are in for a very special treat because this is something that I've been wanting to dive into for a while. And I know that we are going to reap so many benefits that you're going to want to listen to this over and over again. So body intelligence and your body's unique language with Cole Witty. I am so thrilled to have her on the show, guys. So Cole is a bio-integration specialist, trauma release expert, and teaches the importance of translating the unique language your body speaks. I want to go, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Your body is the experimental vehicle in the moment of now, and its intelligence is often overlooked and really rarely utilized for expansive growth. In today's culture, we love to science the shit out of our bodies and our and biohack our way into it and without any integration. That means it is still you against your body without understanding why you need to be listening closely to its subtle cues. Whether at one of her live weekend intensive or two-week transformational experiences in Peru, Cole loves talking about the limitless of your body's intelligence and combining the animal instinct and evolutionary brain power. Cole works closely with her husband and their combined experience 25 years of emergency medicine, 17 years in trauma stress release, 20 years in personal training and have helped hundreds of people transform their lives by integrating with their body. And I also want to mention she has a podcast, Warrior Women with a Purpose, that is amazing. The website, which I will put in the description of this episode, is taco, so that's T-A-C-H-K-O-L-E dot com. Cole, Welcome. Hey, that that I don't I don't even know what to say after that intro. Like I feel super <laughs> fancy all of a sudden. <laughs> well, it is a pretty fancy bio. <laughs> but I'm like, is that all true? I'm like, I'm questioning myself right now. <laughs> but I'm I'm so grateful to be here, Tien, and I'm excited to talk with you again because I had you on my podcast. So it's like continuing the conversation. Yeah, and that was fun. And I definitely opened up on your podcast where I haven't opened up in other places. So thank you for making me feel comfortable and allowing me to share my story. Yeah, it was it was an, a really a privilege too, for sure. Thank you. So I am really excited about body intelligence because I've never heard of this phrase before. Whenever I thought of the body and even communicating with your body, I, I was just thinking of a you know, get in touch with your senses, but I feel like this is a whole nother level. Well, the thing is you have, it's just that we don't, we haven't really as human beings, or at least in today's technology, we just haven't actually separately discussed body intelligence because we talk about body, mm-hmm. you know, people go to yoga and they have their workout practices. That's body, but that's not necessarily body intelligence. Someone can, and here's an example. Maybe you've gone to a class or you've gone on like the treadmill or something and you totally zone out. You're not even like, you don't even remember what you did or you go for a walk and you don't even remember where you walked. Like when situations like that happen, you're leaving your body you're actually disassociating from your body. So your body is habitual. It can go through tasks without thinking, at least on a, your, your conscious mind doesn't need to operate your body. That's why If you get a cut, it heals itself. That's why if a car is coming, you'll jump out of the way instinctively. So your body has this built-in instinctual intelligence that you can actually hone in, but that requires getting the messages very clear with your body and developing some radical self-honesty with your intentions, uh, your purpose, and what you want to experience in your life. Wow. Wow. I never thought of it like that. Just the, the instinctual 
jumping out the side. And, and it's funny that you mentioned being on a treadmill because I have seen people read. <laughs> while they're totally. like, how, how do they do that? I can't concentrate like that. <laughs> but yeah, it's funny how uh, I was thinking of breathing, like you said, just those things. So since that's the case, what's the the, the language? Is it all, all sensory? How, how can we speak the language of our body? Well, it starts first with getting present in your body. So just to explain it a little bit before I give some examples, your body's only ever in the now. Your mind can is often we become like future focused or past obsessed, you know, where we're trapped or stuck holding on to the past. So the mind can travel anywhere or at least future and past. The body's only ever right now. So the first thing we have to do is get present. And we hear in a lot of spiritual practices about getting present. You know, you need to be present. Part of that is because your instincts, when you're present, will align you with all of the things you want. Some people call it manifestation. I call it body intelligence because your body is what will attract and direct you into the direction that aligns you with either your purpose or your desires. So, for example, to start getting some of the cues in your body, let's say you're talking to a partner or a spouse or a close friend and they say something or, or in a tone that triggers you. And everyone has those moments that, you know, someone just says that word and you're like, mm. oh, I hate that word. And it makes it hard for you to hear anymore. So in that moment, when the trigger occurs, the first thing that I teach people is to pause before you react. This is like the pivotal moment that will change your life is if you can get that pause. So I call it the three P's, pause, physical scan, and then proceed. Now, what'll happen is when you notice that a trigger occurs, you get that pause, you scan your body. Where are you feeling this reactionary state? Are you feeling it in your stomach? Or like for me, if someone says something that just makes me angry, I'll start to feel it in my throat and in my head. I'm listening to them and I can feel my kind of, you know, people will say my blood boiling. Yeah, I, <laughs> like say I can do that. <laughs> like I can feel the blood coming to my head. And so that's your body responding. That's your body's emotional response to what it's being fed, okay? So the thing is, there's, there are cues that are much more subtle that happen way before that. So when you really start to tap into what they are, like when someone starts to go down a direction that makes me uncomfortable, I'll start to feel it in my chest or I'll start to feel it in my lower back. So the thing is, you might start to find these like little trends of back pain after hanging out with a certain person or stomach aches before you go to a job that you hate or headaches or you can't sleep, restlessness. All of these are signs of stress. Now, we all get stress, but it comes down to how you process stress. And the thing is, there's stress and there's trauma. And there's kind of like two types of people, people that know they've gone through trauma and people that think they haven't gone through trauma. <laughs> and it's really funny because the people that come to me that are like, I haven't been traumatized. Within five minutes, we find that they've been quite traumatized. They were just either, they couldn't remember um, or they were comparing their life's trauma to someone else. You know, yeah. so maybe they had a sibling that went through cancer or something that they deemed as worse. So they didn't allow themselves to have the emotions. So they discom like they disconnect, disassociate, or compartmentalize from their emotions and try to ignore them. But those emotions become physical manifestations. Like I had fibromyalgia, endometriosis, ovarian torsions. I had a 40 degree curvature scoliosis in my spine. Um, I was in a coma from a drug overdose, 26 broken bones from 26 different scenarios. And what I realized is my fibromyalgia would flare when I was partially not taking care of myself and eating inflammatory foods, right? That was certainly a part of it. But my anger, when I wasn't clear on my boundaries or wasn't communicating what I needed, then my fibromyalgia would hurt. It was almost like I wasn't allowing myself to externally um, express the emotions. So it was internally creating dis-ease. 
And I notice it now that my subtle cues of my fibromyalgia starts in my lower back on my left side. That's my first hint. So when it comes to starting to translating your body's own language, it's getting present first to see what, what's going on in your body. It could be coming from food, but I can't tell you how many clients I've worked with that first we put them on an elimination diet so we could clear out any confusion from food, but they were still experiencing symptoms. Why? Because their symptoms were basically physical manifestations of subconscious or conscious thought patterns. So it really, to start understanding the cues, you have to get present. I tell people to start journaling or um, I created something called, I just call it my body book that um, I'm going to, I'm actually working on now to make it a physical copy in the fall because I had so many people that were like, well, then just give me yours. <laughs> but, the, <laughs> but in the meantime, for anyone listening, how I started to get present and paying attention to my body cues was I first drew like a little stick figure diagram on every day on the journal and I would circle what areas had pain which was kind of like everywhere at one point um and then I described them I didn't just say it hurts that is it's way too general uh you have to get specific and then I put a little pain scale because if I was making changes in my life or changes in diet or changing in medications or whatever I needed, if maybe one day it was an eight, but the other day it was a six, that's a big difference. You know, I needed to be able to document that. So I would, I put a pain scale, but I would also do a scale of one to 10 of financial stress, relationship stress, family stress, work stress, uh, because I would start to see these patterns, you know, become your own scientist or your own master of your physical experience because I didn't know pain-free was possible. And now that I do it, that became my commitment to get other women out of physical pain. It doesn't mean it's easy and there's not one way out, but unless you start to get very radically honest about the subtle cues, we can't translate what they're trying to tell you. It could be telling you, you have to leave your job, but you're like, I can't, I'm too scared to, because I have insurance or I've got a 401k you know, whatever that standard industry or family expectation has become, but your body's telling you, if you don't, uh, the cues are going to get louder until you don't have a choice. So it's, it is a process. That's very interesting because as you were talking, I was thinking about myself and my personal cues and what I hear from other people and when you were saying that the body disconnect when someone's living either in the future or the present, they're not, or excuse me, uh, the past or the, or the, the future, and having that disconnect with their body. And I was thinking about, in particular, the women who I've come across over the years who would say, oh, I'm just clumsy. I'm, oh, I, I just, I stumble. And now that you're saying, I'm thinking, is it that they're just not connected with their body because they're so in a hurry to be in the future to do something or they're really in the past, whatever that past is, whether it's relationship or whatever the case may be, that their body's banging into things. Yeah. I mean, think about it, right? Like anytime I'm in a hurry and I'm rushed, then I end up spilling my drink, hitting my head, you know, dropping everything. It's because I, my anxiety of the future is mm -hmm. still expressing in my body. My body doesn't know whatever I'm anxious about hasn't occurred yet. It doesn't yeah. know the difference between what's happened or what's happening and what I'm just perceiving could happen in the future. I'm going to be late. I'm going to lose a client or whatever. So that's what always happens when we're in a hurry. You get, you're late, you get an offender better. You know, you're late, then someone's rude to you on the train or you get more late, you get flustered. That is that's our body cueing us to slow down, slow down. That, I, I mean, I used to be the queen of injury. Seriously. 26 broken bones isn't a little bit, and all in like weird freak accidents. Yeah, it's, it's funny that, that you mentioned that because I, I would get a bruise and I realized that I had the bruise. I would just happen to put lotion on like, oh, where that dark spot come from like oh right. a little sore right there like when did that happen and and it's funny story 
speaking of, um, because <laughs> it, you reminded me of uh, an event. So this was, I want to say about a good six, six years ago. And one of my friends had, it, it was her birthday. And so it was different groups of people. So I'm based in Philly. There are some Philly people. There were some New York people. There are uh, some people from work, all, all different groups of friends coming out for my friend's birthday. The common denominator with all of us was that we did not want to be around this other particular woman because she seems to bring the drama. And she's not getting attention. She'll do something to attract attention to the point where everyone else would be uncomfortable. So when my friend did what she didn't tell anyone that she had invited the other friend because she wanted us to give her another chance. When she told me, she said, T, I have good news and bad news. Which one you want first? I said, all right, fine. Just give me the bad news. She told me that woman was coming. My entire body shook. I mean, just like vi- like vibrating, but shaking. Mm-hmm. And when you said how your body would be stressed out, I thought maybe my body was actually stressed because I was so fearful. Like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? Because this never ends well when she's around. And right. I didn't even really take that as a, a cue of body intelligence. I just thought, like, oh, man, you know, me being afraid. But now, listening to you, that's my body saying, hey, look, no, we're stressed out. We're aflamed. There's a lot more going on. (laughs) Well, your body stores everything. Your body stores every experience, which is why now, like, the study of epigenetics is becoming more prevalent. And we talked about this a little bit beforehand, that even culturally, when I'm dealing with a client, like, my husband comes, is a descendant of black slaves. So in their, geni- in their um, lineage, in their uh, genetic code, there are certain medical conditions that are as a result of trauma that actually get turned on because of environment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there was a lot of abuse in the family because that was the structure that was conditioned in. And the, the families were literally built to, to have to fight for everything. You know, or or to be so strong they wouldn't show their emotion until the breaking point. You know, because they had to be strong. And as my husband and I have gotten into doing more, we call it lineage work. um, Something that we've really come to start to recognize is we can now see the direct link of how someone's behavior is from their childhood, Mm -hmm. and not just their childhood, but their grandmothers, their grandfathers, and how that conditioning works. My mother-in-law came from a very, very abusive mother. And, you know, so then that made her more abusive towards her siblings when she was younger. She left home at 16. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, my mother-in-law went on to be the first African-American in her field. She's done all these incredible things, but she still doesn't feel like she's accomplished, Mm -hmm. you know, because that those deep patterns and beliefs that get formed really mostly before the age of eight define that's pretty that's really what you and i are working with people to shift now those feelings of not feeling good enough not feeling seen not feeling heard not feeling um loved you know like we're never going to amount to anything or we need to overachieve all of that comes from our childhood and the study of epigenetics is starting to really shine a light on how that has come through our entire lineage and that's why a lot of times we end up being the opposite of our parents in some ways because that repels us, you know, like yeah. one way that they act, we're like, we do the opposite. And the gift in that is that now, since my husband and I have done so much of our own work, it's starting to shift the both of our families, because we don't attach to the drama. I can be in it and be very clear on my boundaries, but not get reactive. Because I've learned my body's intelligence so much, that if I start to feel unsafe in my body, it's time to leave. Yeah. Time to leave. You know, it's like even it looking like something uh, like 9-11, right, where some people said I was going to go to work that day and I decided not to. I just didn't, I just didn't feel like it. That's body yeah. intelligence, mm-hmm. truly. And not to say that anyone that went wasn't listening to their body, but just to say our bodies are designed for mm-hmm. survival, So if your body with this woman you're talking about, if your body remembers that it's always drama and it's unsafe and it's just not what your body wants to experience, then it's going to show those feelings to tell you like, are you sure? 
You sure yeah. you still want to like go and hang out when you know this isn't where you want to be if it's going to be drama and all this, you know, all these other experiences. So literally between that part of body intelligence and also how the body will pick up on other people's stuff. Mm-hmm. And we call it carrying, just carrying someone else's stuff. Like, so someone can yawn in the room and you'll yawn, right. but your body picks up way more than that. So someone else could be anxious in the room. And all of a sudden, if your body starts to feel a little bit weird or off and you don't know why, start by removing yourself from the room. See if the body experiences you're getting are yours or if they're physiologically responding to someone else's body in the room. Mm-hmm. It's the same that you can feel if someone's angry. You know yeah. what I mean? You can feel it coming off of them. Mm-hmm. But your body is taking in those sensors all of the time. All the time. Yeah, I, I love that you said to remove your entire being because what I have found is that people, well, it's it's multiple ways to look at it, right? Some people feel like, well, I shouldn't have to go anywhere. You know, this is my space too. I'm sitting here. That person needs to just get their emotions in check. But then there's the, am I really thinking this is this how i really feel because i i know there are people out there who are um empaths and they don't realize it and they have all these emotions and i just explain it like uh and i'm I'm usually using a movie reference or a cartoon reference uh uh, what's her name um rogue from x-men how she's just Mm -hmm. picking up on every emotion and person if she touches them with her her skin so it's like that and and I, I hope that the listeners are really um, taking notes and even tell their friends because the more we learn about our body intelligence, if we can say, oh, you know what? I'm feeling a little weird. I didn't feel this way a few moments ago. I don't know who's bringing in this energy, <laughs> but I'm just going to go step outside or just go. And you know what? I really wish I met you about, again, a good six, seven years ago because there have been so many incidences where internally I just knew it was time to go but I couldn't rally up the truth to be like hey guys I'm telling you it was really time to go and like I have been kicked out of places because by association I would try yeah. to tell the bouncer it's not and I here I am five foot six arguing with like a six foot five New York bouncer you know just like going toe to toe like you know arguing with them which I shouldn't have and I don't suggest doing that because it's <laughs> a big guy but I was younger and you know felt invisible invincible but uh look I wish I wish I knew me as me six seven years ago <laughs> <laughs> but really, it, it, it's one of those things where, you know, just like, yeah, you, like you say, you had that feeling like, oh, you know what, it's, t- it's time to go, but you can't get the other people to go with you. So you're staying there and I was on guard and then, you know, all hell broke loose. But <laughs> Well, again, it comes down to one, the, so the first step is like they say, you have to put on your own mask. That doesn't mean you having to leave the scene first kind of a thing, but you, you can choose. I don't say you have to. You can choose to do the work so that you don't get emotionally triggered and buy into the drama of the situation Mm -hmm. because that's like, I've point blank looked at friends before because my husband's also a DJ. So we've had some, you know, late nights, people get a little toasty and get a little, Mm -hmm. get a little out of, you know, out of hand. And the, when you can recognize that once someone starts to get triggered like that, what happens is the, the front of their brain shuts off. It stops working. That's what fight or flight is. Your prefrontal cortex completely shuts off and you go into that animal instinct part of your brain, that reptilian part of your brain that's just instinct. So you're going to go, if you go, you're either going to run or you're going to fight. So most people go into fight, you know? So, you know, when someone's in that situation, they're arguing back and forth. If you recognize that someone's in fight or flight or they're in the fight mode, you recognize you can't reason with them. Mm-hmm. So I've had, say, situations happen with friends that afterwards I have to be like, hey, you know, we have to talk about last night because I'm going to be very clear with you. I've, right. I'm here for you and I love you, but I will not get involved mm-hmm. in that kind of situation if you won't listen to me. You know, like this has to be a two-way situation and a two-way relationship. And, and if I say it's time to go so that I can keep us out of trouble, I need you to trust me in the future. Otherwise, I'm going to have to take care of myself 
because you're not considering my safety. Right. You know, and that's when you will lose friendships through the process of setting your boundaries. It happens. And it's just some people are willing to grow with you and some aren't, you know, and that's just sometimes you have to look at them and just be like, you're going to have to keep it moving. And some of my friends have got on board because I got very clear with what I was willing to tolerate in a setting like that. Look, if a random person come up and, and starts like giving my friend a hard time, I'm there. I don't have any problem facing adversity or, or a situation. Mm-hmm. However, if my friend has drank a lot and they're just, you know, they're creating the drama, my first step is to remove them from the situation. Yes. That's, you know, my first thing. And after we have a conversation about that, the next time I will leave, even if I feel like I quote unquote shouldn't. You have to, until we become and, and make our own safety priority, mm-hmm. then what, what are you doing? You know, these constructs of family and community are, have beautiful gifts in them. But a lot of times, because it's family or close friends, mm-hmm. they will literally push that and abuse you because yeah. they can or because they feel like that's what friends or family do is tolerate that from each other. And at what point do we say, I'm not going to tolerate it from you. I'm not going to tolerate it from myself and I'm not going to tolerate it from society. So you're going to be against the same, uh, you know, the same standard that I'm holding myself to and society to. Mm -hmm. Very well said. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree, you know, and I, I get it. Like, just like you were saying, some people, you know, because of their family members or their close friends or, you know, their their boys since the fourth grade, they feel like they're always supposed to pick up the pieces. But not at this point. You know, you really have to think about your boundaries, your well-being, your safety and your future. Yeah. Well, even just like I have um, I have an exercise called the radical self-honesty exercise. That's 25 questions. And you, I'll send it to you to put in the show notes. But it's for someone to look themselves in the mirror, fill out the questions first, and ask it while looking at themselves and find out with everything society's told you, your family's told you, your, you know, whoever has told you, you answer these questions and find out what's true for you. Because transformation, all of the things that need to happen in society, all the things that need to happen in government, we are, we are holding politicians to a higher standard than we're holding ourselves. How are we going to transform what we need to transform if we're not holding the people in our circle to some sort of uh, standard? You know, it's like we're still externally making it somebody else's responsibility. And your body will tell you if it's in alignment. And after someone's, you know, pushed your boundaries um, to a certain point, your body will start to break down because you aren't listening to it. It's saying enough. You know, and I will remove you from the situation in the only way that I can. Right. Which Absolutely. is never nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but has to be done. So when it, so we've we gone through a lot of the healing process through this, when we listen to our body, when we notice these signs, you know, things like that. So what are some of the, the, the issues or concerns that you're constantly debunking when, when people come to you? regarding body intelligence and that healing process? Well, you know, the thing is, is anytime someone comes to me, the first thing is they want me to just fix it like Mm -hmm. a pill, right? Someone will come and they'll be like, well, can I just do some stretches or something? Or can't I just uh, take ibuprofen? And at the end of the day, you're still treating symptoms. So the first thing is that you have to put the same attention and intention into what you want out of your body and your experience of your body. That's the first thing is people will come and they just think that they can pay me and I can fix it. Just like going to the doctor, we think we can just pay and have it fixed. You know, even if you get a surgery that you need, if you don't go to physical therapy, you will stay in pain (laughs) after they fix whatever they needed to fix. Like it's not over once the surgery is over. So when it comes to body, if you're, especially if you're in a lot of pain like I was or recovering from a lot of things or have a lot of medical conditions, mm-hmm. it's going to take a lot of shifts and it's not easy. But the first common misconception is the real role that diet plays. 
because especially inflammation, forget the names of the diets, forget keto, forget all of these, because most people are doing keto wrong anyway. So anyone listening right now, 90% of everyone doing keto right now is doing it in an unhealthy way. So I won't get it. That's a whole other podcast episode. But, you know, it's important to know whose truth are you buying into and does it work for you? That doesn't mean you can't try a diet, you know, like a, a protocol like Whole30 or um, Wall's protocol, which is an anti-inflammatory type uh, protocol or, you know, whatever. At the end of the day, how you want to feel is going to take exploration. And it, especially at first, can be a bit overwhelming. But single-handedly, and there's the added benefit of weight loss. I lost 50 pounds. It made a huge Wonderful. difference. Yeah, it made a huge difference on the weight in my knees. Made a huge deal. Um, like there was a moment that was my turning point for my weight. And I wasn't that big. Like looking in pictures, you wouldn't be like, oh, this chick needs to lose a bunch of weight. Because I, I, it evenly distributed, you know? But my body could not carry it. It couldn't carry lots of things in my life at that point. It couldn't carry my the marriage I was in. It couldn't carry the friendships I was in. It was it couldn't carry lots of things going on in my life. And my body, like my knees, after standing or walking for a couple hours, would just swell huge. And I was getting shots and all that jazz. And finally, my body was like, no more. And I was at Disneyland, and my knees were hurting so bad after just a couple hours. I was like, I can't live like this. I was only 27. Mm -hmm. And that was the point that I said, I, I have to do something. But then I started, you know, kind of working out and kind of changing my diet. And then I bought a treadmill so that I could walk every day because um, with, with how bad my arthritis would get in my knees, I couldn't walk for long. So I said, at least if it's here. It might be five times one, five minutes one day and 20 another, but I'll be able to do it. And as we moved the treadmill into the house so I could take the next step in my, you know, journey, the treadmill fell on my big toe. I didn't have shoes on because I had dark hardwood and I don't wear shoes in the house. And it split my big toe in half. And that was two years of reconstructive surgeries. And I, you don't know how important that toe is until something like that happens. Yeah. But then it was the universe saying, now you can't work out. I couldn't stand. I couldn't even be on crutches for 10 days because the pressure going into my toe yeah. was so excruciating. So the un finally the universe was like, the only way you're going to make the changes of what you're putting in your body is if you have no other choice. And I had mm. no other choice. There was nothing left and listen, there were moments I'm looking up to the sky, looking at God, looking at source and being like, what did I do to deserve this life? What did I do to deserve this level of betrayal from my body? Like, how bad must I be? Or, you know, is this karma, whatever, for me to be in pain all the time? And so I translated that as my experience because I must be bad. You know, I must have something wrong with me. and. I had a lot of guilt. You know, the biggest thing too is people do not, the misconception or not even misconception, but they don't take into account the depth and the weight of the pain from shame and guilt. Mm. It, it weighs tons and it weighs far more than anything else, you know, even more so than trauma. Quite often people have processed their trauma because uh, I do something called TRE, which is called trauma uh, release exercise. And it helps to close old trauma loops, old trauma cycles in your body by creating a neurogenic tremor. I actually get your body to shake on its own. And through this process, often people will think they're coming to me for a childhood trauma, but they did that work already. What's really going on is the shame or the blame or the guilt that they're carrying because of something else or because of you know, an event that they're still mentally holding on to and, and doing those loops in. Yeah. Very, very interesting. We are multi-layer beings. And yes. I, I just hope that, you know, the, the people who are listening to this episode will really start to, well, ho I hope that they first ask the 25 questions that you have, but also... You know, to look at like, okay, 
but what's the real issue? What's the real concern? And I love how you talked about inflammation because I am all about uh, making sure that I am either drinking black coffee because that's an anti-inflammatory or ginger or turmeric because it's it's weird, especially as we get older, how our body does different things or, or reacts differently to things that didn't bother us before. So I would definitely encourage people to do, do what Cole said, you know, really start with your, your diet. Like, really, really look at that because I know I changed lots of my diet and I'm better for that. But I know I still have a ways to go. Cause I, when you said you lost 50 pounds, I thought to myself, like, okay, that's what I've been wanting to do for a while now. So I need to do some research. But I'm going to start with my body intelligence. Listen, when, because there's three things I tell people when they're first wanting to make changes in what they eat. Like, now I'm not on any diet protocol. I, I pretty much only eat plant-based food, but if I decide I want meat, I just have it. I don't have rules. I listen to my body and what it wants. And if I want to have a cookie, I freaking have a cookie. But the thing is, it's because I'm so in tune now, I don't have to worry because my body can process anything I give it. I could sit down and have a cigarette. It's fine, you know? And th- the truth is, from time to time, I will sit and do that. Now, what I'll do is when I first started shifting my life, I found all the things that I love. And I said, how can I find a healthier replacement? I was a hardcore smoker for 16 years. The first step was knowing that if I was going to get my body in order, that was in my way. And that was getting in the way of my relationship because it would affect my longevity with my husband. And my now husband is the most incredible man I've ever met in my life. And I will not take my health for granted and anything that's in my control, I will do to spend as much time on this earth with him as I can. And it's right. mutual. Yeah. And when, when I first had that conversation with him and he said to me, you don't need to stop smoking. I don't need that from you. I just want you to know that the reason I stay healthy and doing the choices that I do is because I want to do everything in my power to show you that I want to be here. Mm. And that just like that just blew my heart open. And I said, all right, fine. So I stopped smoking. Now from time to time, if I decide that I want one, there's alternatives to cigarettes that are herbs, not like the herb. I actually don't smoke the herb myself, not my, (laughs) that's not my thing, Uh but the, there are, um, mixes of herbs that you actually can smoke, but they don't get as hot. They don't have nicotine and they don't have the same adverse effects. That still means once in a while, just because it's still inhaling smoke into your lungs, right? Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it's not near the impact of all the chemicals. So if you love to have pizza, no problem, but get higher quality ingredients. Go to a place that makes it from scratch. Mm -hmm. Because when you go to Little Caesars, Domino's, these places, it's the lowest, lowest quality. And what you put into your body is what you get out of your body. So even if you want to have a burger, red meat, have it, but switch it to a healthier version or Mm -hmm. just higher, denser nutrients. Because in the United States now, one in three children are now overweight, one in three. And the, the, the kids right now are on track to not outlive their parents. Wow. Like, what kind of craziness is that, you know? Like, for parents to have to start, like, I have a friend whose son had a heart attack in his teens. What? Like, yes, what exactly? And that's why it does take a 360 approach because there is trauma. There Mm -hmm. is. There is coping mechanisms. There is self-destructive behaviors. There is bad foods, quote-unquote bad. You know, I only say Mm -hmm. that I don't really label things good or bad, but just the desired result, you know, and it's something that it isn't just about being right or wrong or having abs or whatever. It's how you feel. Yeah. What do you want to experience in your life? Do you want to wake up energized? Then that wine's probably going to have to go, you know, at least on a day to day basis, not because it's bad for you, but because it takes you out of what you want to experience. If you want to build to a million dollar company or you want to be a million dollar a year coach, then be radically honest in what you're willing to do to get yeah. there. Mm-hmm. 
And if you decide that your habits or your desires are more important, that's okay. Don't be a victim of your choice and be empowered in your choice that you're like, look, I'd like that, but I like this more. I like to enjoy food. I like to drink every day. That's what makes me feel fulfilled. Not the million dollars a year. Now you may not, you know, if you get to a million dollars a year, you might change your mind. So I recommend clearing (laughs) everything out of the way, experience the million dollars a year, and then tell me you can always go back. If you want to go back to drinking every day and spending your bread there and whatever, like do it. But until you know what it feels like to be a millionaire, until you know what it feels like to be energized, excited, not getting sick, um, mobility, you won't go back. I will never go back. Not because there's something wrong, but because I now know what it feels like Mm -hmm. to feel just, just honestly to feel and to not feel in pain because I didn't know anything other than that until about a year ago. Here, here, I can relate to that. And and, and I, I loved, or de- tongue tie because I have so much that I want to say. <laughs> so when you talked about the suppressing the trauma because say a sibling had cancer and like, oh, well, my trauma is minuscule compared to the sibling's trauma. Again, and I, I thought about myself. So I'm just like getting therapy and not even realizing that, <laughs> asking you a question, listening. Yeah. With my foot, as I talked about on your uh, podcast, there were many times where I didn't want anyone asking me about it. Like, I'm just like, no, you know, I'm fine. I'm okay. You know, and I just chugged on and to, to the best of my ability. And I just want to encourage people to just really listen to your body. Just as I read in Cole's bio, the subtle things yeah. You know, start from there. You know, you get that little, eh, like like Cole was saying, her lower uh, back or her head. You know, you might get in your chest, your stomach. Listen to that. Listen to that. Write it down like she was saying. You know, just reiterating things here because it's always a work in progress. I mean, I've been on this spiritual journey for a little over eight years now. And Cole just over here opened up some more pages. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you know what? Yeah, really. And some some of my friends have said, like, you know, Tia, we know when you're in pain with your foot, you get quiet mm-hmm. or, you know, it's you know different things like that. But me, I'm just like, well, yeah, because, you know, I, I want to be a trooper. <laughs> yeah, that's because our society, has, we've been conditioned for that. You know, yeah. that, I mean, there's a reason why lawyers get paid for how many hours they work or they, you know, that's how you can become a partner. If you don't, it's most billable hours, not yeah. who wins the most cases. Because we are, even if you look at how we're training our kids in school, and I say training because they're learning to be worker bees, mm-hmm. you know, it's, we're giving them more homework than ever. And not that there isn't a place for it. And the thing is, when you really look at it, whose cosmology are you subscribing to? Mm-hmm. So now my new thing, not new, this has been my, me and my husband ever since we've been together. When someone tells me something, I'm like, who told you that? I say it to myself. Who told you that? Who told you that being brave was the best? Somebody did. And actually go back in your past and reflect on it. And then decide if you want to choose to hold on to that truth. Mm -hmm. Just anything you take on. Who told me that? Reflect back. And it usually comes from a parent. You know, you gotta, you gotta keep it moving. You can't let them see you cry. You gotta be tough. Why? Right. Exactly. Exactly. It doesn't, if it's not serving you anymore, if it's not helping you anymore, and it did at some point, all of us have been through tumultuous hard times in our life that we needed that, or we had to be a rock for someone else because we could, we were that person in that, in that moment. But it's knowing you can ebb and flow in that. You don't have to live there. When you live there, you deny yourself connection and you deny yourself, your body getting what you need to heal from it and to just let it go doesn't mean you have to talk about it. This isn't going and talking about all your emotions and your feelings. Right. It's knowing that some of it just means you need to get up and move. If you're feeling angry, the best thing to do is go for a walk because it, it pushes your lymphatic system into motion. Mm-hmm. And what that does is move the physical energy. When you get stressed, your body releases stress hormones. When stress hormones just sit in your body and they're not able to process, that turns into toxins. 
Most people that, you know, when you're, especially when the weight is mostly being carried in the belly, in the abdomen, there's usually a lot of um, shame and guilt, but they're not moving that energy through and then they're getting heightened or activated or upset emotionally, but they push it back down. They won't let it process. So they'll do it through food. They'll just eat more food or something they can control to avoid feeling the emotions, but then the toxins and the hormones just sit there. Wow. So what's, what's the question you wish more people would ask you? Even in regular com- conversation, I'd say, I, well, yes, your clients, but also when someone says, oh, you know, my body's aching and things like that. What are some of the questions? I should say some question, not a question. What are some questions you wish more people would ask you? <sighs> I don't know if I could think of something that I wish more people would ask. I think that it would be nice if more people were open to the idea of experimenting mm-hmm. and looking at their body and with the same childlike curiosity that we look at maybe our art or um, trying new things. If you look at it as you've got your whole life to figure it out, but how, what's the quality of life you want to have as you experiment? So for me, there's not a certain question, but I would love if someone would come or when they do, which isn't often, but I guess I would love if someone would come and say, I'm ready to exhaust my efforts to be free. Mm-hmm. That's what we're teaching, but it's not very often. I think that uh, like we, m- both me and my husband have clients that have lost over 200 pounds. This is, they're in it for the long haul. Those two came to us and said, I am willing to do anything. And they have. And one of them's not my client anymore. You know, she hasn't been my client since last year and she's lost another 35 pounds because she got it. You know, she learned what she needed to learn. She's on it. She was almost 500 pounds, 500. She lost it all naturally. There was no, you know, diet drugs. There was no gastric there was no because she was on her deathbed in the hospital and they said you it's now or never Mm -hmm. this is it so she said i'm willing to do anything to be free and she is she could outwork out me any day of the week wow that is amazing and impressive and i am so happy for her and and the other client that's wow yeah it's, you know, the other client had gastric bypass, so she did lose it. But the difference was from having a regimen to process all of her emotions and also doing a workout regimen to strengthen her musculature underneath mm-hmm. while she was losing all the weight meant that her surgeries were a quarter of what they had to be as far as invasiveness for them to do the skin removal mm-hmm. because her muscles were so tight underneath, it was easy for them to remove. And that's something people don't consider. Mm-hmm. When you remove all that skin, then a lot of times there's no muscles. And yet people that have been very obese are very strong because they were carrying around 300, 400 pounds for so long. Mm-hmm. So the, and she continued to lose another 40 pounds after her 200. And she's still my husband's client and she's incredible, but her work life has changed because mm-hmm. she was ready to exhaust all of her efforts She has an incredible relationship with her mother. She just said, what do I need to do to start listening to my body? And because of that, that made her surgeries better recovery. She planned um, someone to work on her scars so that her scarring is less and there's not adhesion issues and pain. And I would love if more people came with the question of what can I do? I will do whatever it takes to be free. Mm. Powerful. Yeah, because then, as you were saying earlier, they are leaving themselves open to the possibility. So they're not just defaulting to a diet trend or, you know, whatever they think they're supposed to be doing. They're really listening to their bodies and opening themselves up at the same time. Yeah. Most weight isn't only because of what people are eating or how much of it. That's part of it. Mm -hmm. But it's more the shame and the blame and the cycle they keep, how hard they're being on themselves. So we have to first 
kind of deprogram and release trauma from their body so that if they get triggered, they don't go on a downward spiral of going back to binging or purging or, you know, whatever the habits are. Mm -hmm. So you can let go of trauma without getting into the story. And that's what a lot of people don't realize is that you can. Um, you need to look at somatic modalities. There's uh, an incredible company called Lumos Transforms out of California that works specifically with people that have experienced a lot of trauma. Um, they also train um, facilitators and they have certifications because what culture you come from matters. Mm-hmm. Your, even who you go to to help process some of your trauma, stresses, whatever, they need to be trauma-informed if you've been through a lot. Otherwise, yeah. they can actually open up old trauma cycles and put you in a worse state. And that's something my husband and I, our next one of our next um, programs and processes is to train more coaches, facilitators, healers, how to be trauma-informed and how to help them get their client or their person safe into their body so that they recognize when there's disassociation or if there's physical pain what questions to ask i don't have all the answers i have all the questions Mm. everyone has their own answers but they may not have the questions to access the information nice very nice so what's a, a daily routine for you to keep you at a nice high vibration and you know really in tune with your body So I have something called a biointegration technique. It's about a 10-minute to 15-minute process where I do stretches, body scans, and then I fill out my body book, that that diary I talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. So I start by getting the stretches, um, and not anything crazy, not even like very yoga-looking as far as what people are used to seeing, Mm -hmm. but I need to feel my body first. If I don't start the day in my body, the Mm -hmm. likelihood I'm going to make it back to it? Probably not. (laughs) But what I do is after the stretch, after I go through this sequence of stretches, then I just lie on the floor and I body scan, you know, what's tight. And then I ask my body, what do you need from me today in order for you to do what I'm asking of you? Maybe I have a long day. Maybe I have a lot of clients. Maybe it's, you know, I didn't get very much sleep. So what do you need from me today as you know, to, for you to continue us on this journey together. You know, we're always trying to hack our body and not that there's anything wrong with biohacking, but it's still us against our body. There's still trickery. There's still, uh, there's still not the integration of the instinctual intelligence where your body will tell you what it needs. So that 10, 15 minutes every morning helps me to get in my body and to know what's really going on because that, If something is going on with my body, I'll know the second it changes, not six months down the line when I find a lump somewhere, not eight months down the line when my spine is out of alignment and I've got sciatica. Mm -hmm. I start to feel the beginning hints of sciatica so I can do my stretches, do, you know, the, uh, some of the like physical therapy moves that I, that I know to prevent it from coming back. And it's a 15-minute-a-day commitment. Put it on your calendar like it's something that you can't skip. Because if you don't make that commitment to you, your body is not going to return the favor. It's just going to stay in autopilot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, here, here to that. So before we talk about your retreats that you have coming up, any final words? I mean, we covered a lot. Yeah, <laughs> we went in a few, a few directions, but you know, if anyone has questions, they can always reach out. If something takes me less than 10 minutes, you know, if someone wants to shoot questions, I'm fine with it. You know, it's more if it gets longer. So if anyone has questions, hit me up. I always can give direction. You know, if you come to me and someone's just expressing some of their experiences, I may be able to send you in a direction or to someone close to you to start unraveling it. But the truth is, if there's a lot going on, it's the, the road could take a while. My, it took me seven years on my path to get pain-free, mm-hmm. which is not a lot. You know what I mean? And in the grand scheme of it all, it's not a lot of time because now I'm only 35. That means from 35 until the day I die, I will be in my body and experiencing it with 
everything I, I mean, I couldn't even dream this. I didn't know this was possible. So this was never on my like vision board. I've never made a vision board, but if I did, <laughs> it wasn't on there. Cause I was told by doctors, those were my conditions and I put them on like it was something I had to carry for the rest of my life. Hmm. Yeah. One thing my grandmother said is no one knows your body better than you. So nope. doctors do help, but yeah. Trust me, when you take in your body book of what you've been tracking to your doctor or your specialist, you're armed with more information so that they're not guessing. Otherwise, the majority of the time they're guessing. So if you do have some extenuating circumstances, the more information you arm yourself with, they can, they can actually do their job. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I was on your website, and you have quite a few <laughs> retreats coming up. I saw one in Peru. I was like, "Wow!" Yeah. <laughs> so you had uh, so you had the retreats, and also healing your womb series. So can you tell us yeah. about yeah that? Yeah. So I have um, I have a series called Healing Your Womb, and it's literally twenty seven experts, doctors, authors of everything from doctors to shaman you know I wanted to really give every, I wanted to place all the tools on the table for someone to access uh, a different modality or another path to help them get pain-free and some of these uh, women like one Dr. Corey Cooper is incredible she had PCOS she had um, two different pregnancies that didn't make it to the end so you know one was twins that she only got to have her babies for a few days you know, because they didn't make it far enough into the pregnancy to, to, to do the life-saving procedures. Um, and so she shares how she was able to finally, she never had a problem getting pregnant, but she wasn't able to maintain the pregnancies. So she shares her story and how she did it. And there's 27 other examples, you know, women who couldn't have kids, women um, who, I mean, just, we have a lot of health issues in the womb area you know, in the abdominal area. And some of it's nutrition, some of it's deficiencies. But same thing as women, a lot of times we think that cramps and pain are normal, but there's, it's not normal. It might be common, but it's not normal. It's a hormonal balance, a nutrient deficiency or stress or trauma, you know, which is also a stress of the body. So that, that's what that series is, um, is all those master classes, 27 hours worth, you know, there's audio files, there's videos of people like video. Um, and then we do the trips and retreats, you know, for me, I love to be in person. Digital is beautiful for people that can't get access or because of small children can't get away for the weekend, but nothing, there's nothing like being in person when you're looking for some real support. So we, we do weekends and day workshops throughout the year, but um, once a year we go to Peru for two weeks. We actually work with plant medicines and shaman and tribes to take people into a psychedelic experience to help rewire their brain. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of studies now, a great book by Michael Pollan that describes it incredibly called How to Change Your Mind about how psychedelics are being used to help people heal from trauma. But yeah. we take you to the old healers, you know, the tribes that have been doing it for thousands of years, and we have them do their version of healings. Um, it's an incredible experience. And then we, we do that, like three different, four different experiences like that over the 14 days. And then, like, we go to Machu Picchu. We go to the sacred sites. By removing you from your environment and putting you immersed into such a different expansive inspirational place mm -hmm. your transformations are more complete because we work your mind body soul spirit we're together for two weeks imagine you know on any type of coaching protocol if you were with 20 people who were aligned with their self-work that were heart open that were there to be supportive plus four facilitators with we have almost a hundred years of experience between us you know, to help you through processes, to help you ask yourself the questions, and then just to experience other cultures that are so joyous with so little, you know, like one of my, like my heart is with the tribe called the Kiro tribe that are from 19,000 feet, and to see how joyful they are, it just makes you think differently, it changes you to experience 
the children and the laughter and, you know, dancing under the moon with a tribe on an island in Lake Titicaca. And then to see these old mystical um, places like Machu Picchu, it's just, Mm -hmm. it changes you. You know, it makes it harder to get caught up in the drama and the bowl because Mm -hmm. you're like, why? There's so much beauty in the world. Yes, there's a lot of messed up stuff too, but you can still allow yourself to experience the beauty and help illuminate the world through the darkness. Mm-hmm. Love it. Absolutely love it. So, yeah, that just, wow. I, as you were talking, I was imagining dancing under the moon on the island and wow, beautiful. Cole, thank you so much for being on the show. I learned a lot. I know the listeners are just drinking in all this information. So again, thank you. Thank you. It was really uh, awesome to talk to you again and get to go even deeper than we did on my podcast. And anyone that wants to hear more of your story can pop over there. I know you said you'd put the links in the comments and check out Tia's story because if you haven't heard more of it in depth, um, you have an opportunity to. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. And the other amazing women who you uh, interview on your podcast, definitely um, a a comforting and a very sacred place, which is rare because it's online, right? But I mean, over the the podcast platform, but yeah, it goes down. So thanks again. Many blessings. I will talk to everyone soon. Be nice to yourself and take care. Thank you for joining Spiritual Living and Empowerment with Tia Johnson. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in to the next show. Want to continue the conversation with Tia? Follow her on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope at Tia underscore Johnson underscore. Have a wonderful day filled with many blessings.